Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we brought you our first Woman in Supply Chain episode for 2021. And I spoke to May over at Fastenal all about her amazing journey in supply chain, her journey to success, and a lot about advice and different things that she can really bring to the community. So if you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. It's either on our Women in Supply Chain page over on the website or under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com or wherever you subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community. New innovations and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. The average international shipping request takes 20 phone calls and 40 emails just to reach an agreement to move products by air or ocean freight. And every new partner means another onboarding process, new documentation, and more precious time. Every shipment, every exporter, every importer, every single day. It all adds up to thousands of wasted hours, frustration, strained working relationships, and ultimately, your bookings are less efficient, less effective, and could end up costing you more. But what if there was a platform that could change all of that? Meet Ships, the innovative new marketplace that's saying no to labor-intensive old ways and creating an accessible and hassle-free logistics solution for all. With Ships, you can find your perfect partner, get quick and accurate costs, real-time benchmarking figures, and a secure online account all with a click. Sign up for your free trial now over at Ships. That's S-H-I-P-Z or Z dot com. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We are in the second week of 2021 and I don't know about you, but I have a feeling it is going to be a busy one. Today, I'm excited to be joined by a man with nearly 25 years experience in the logistics industry under his belt. His passion, dedication and talent has led him to become the go-to for the transportation and logistics sectors, coaching and sales training. And it's not surprising since he says he wants to help businesses hit 1 million in GP annually. We didn't have a question of the week over the holidays. And so today we won't have a question of the week, but we will be back with that question of the week next week. And so now back to today's podcast and the fascinating man I have with me today is Dan Deegan. Dan has been selling transportation and logistics services since 1994, quickly climbing the ranks, winning sales competitions and growing businesses before the impact of the recession in 2008, which led him to confront his mentality and approach to business. In 2012, he established high performance logistics sales and has become a sales and and coaching guru in demand across the logistics industry. Today, Dan will be talking to us about his business, his journey to success, and why freight providers need to get on board with sales performance fast. But first, here's just a little bit more about Dan. With over 25 years on both asset and 3PL sides of the industry, he's seen both sides of the proverbial coin, which gives him a different perspective on how to improve the industry and help it be seen as it should be seen, the most important industry on the planet after medicine. 
Because of this view, he has grown through the ranks as a coach, sales trainer, author, and dedicated father and husband. He has been able to give salespeople across North America new energy and excitement when it comes to growing their client base, living their most desired life, and helping them become high performers. So welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, Sarah. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I am so happy to have you on the show. I mean, everybody talks about your enthusiasm, your knowledge, your passion for learning, your passion for the industry. So I'm excited to have just a good old chat with you today. So let's get right into it. Why don't we start by telling us about your background? You've been in the industry nearly 25 years. So take me back to where it all started and give us an overview of your journey to where you are now. Oh, wow. Um, so it all started uh, when I was 17, actually, and um, I was on unemployment. I was in a, a bar in Montreal, and the owner of a large brokerage company found me at the bar after I sold a weight set to uh, another guy at the bar because I ran out of money. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they always they often say that people fall into this industry, at least back when I started. Yeah. Um, and, and the owner came up to me and, you know, we had a long conversation, um, woke up the next morning with a business card in my pocket, was like, I have no idea who this person is. Um, then the next week ran into him again. And he says, you know, you really would do well in this industry. And, you know, I was I was promised that. Um, that, that green pasture that a lot of people were promised, um, you know, obviously taking the highest paid salesman in the company and using them as the medium, if you will, for where, yeah. where people hit, um, you know, you've, you've probably been a part of it uh, being in the industry for, for a long time yourself. And you know what, it was funny because when I started, um, I only saw and sat with the top 2% in the company. So I really didn't realize that, how many people struggle with sales. Um, and I remember after, you know, three weeks of three, four weeks of training and, and the training in those days and still is unfortunately today, a lot of times it's okay, sit with this person and, and just listen to their calls and sit with that person and listen to their calls. And right. There's no real strategy behind it unless the salespeople share the strategy. The flip side of that is a lot of salespeople hold so much close to their chest because they're so paranoid. Um, and so it's kind of like this huge catch 22. Um, and then I had one mentor there, um, and he kind of took me under my, his, my, his wing before he left, um, and just shared with me, you know, you, you gotta really get good at this, this, and this. And if you want long-term here, um, it's not, you know, crazy, uh, boiler room or Wolf of Wall Street kind of scenario. You've got to get real strategic with your customers. And that's, the journey that I started on, um, when he left about um, six months later, I came to Ontario um, and I was blessed to have another mentor at an asset-based company in Ontario who got me into a little bit more of the strategy. And that's really where my learning, my education piece, the passion for the industry really kicked in. Um, it's when I realized that they, without trucking, Without logistics, without supply chain, we have nothing. We, right. re we really don't. I mean, we can't build homes. We can't buy food. We can't nourish ourselves. We, you know, we can bathe, but not with soap. <laughs> you know, like we can't brush our teeth. I mean, when we really look at it, and that's when really um, the industry changed for me. Um, you know, by the time I was probably 25 years old, 
I visited probably every beach in North America. And I got to meet so many amazing people that I was hooked. I was hooked. And even in 2008, when I decided that no, I'm, I'm out of this industry, everybody's cutthroat, I'm going to start something new. Um, it was like the Godfather, you know, when you think you're out, they keep calling you back. And, and it just <laughs> it sucked me right back in, you know, it was, um, but yeah, it was, it's been quite a journey to where I am now. And, you know, and I also feel like the real part of my journey, Sarah, is just beginning. You know, there, there's the sales part. And then there's the journey I'm on now, which is watching the salespeople I help coach and train really develop. And, you know, I was, I was sharing this, this topic with a gentleman a couple of nights ago, and he asked the same question. I said, you know, for me, that passion comes from when I first got my first brand new vehicle, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a blue Durango RT. And I remember driving up to work. And before this, I had uh, a GMC pickup. And every time I hit a bump, the floor would drop like an inch. You know, like, I mean, it was in bad shape. And my first brand new car. And I remember that, that feeling I had when I got to the office. And my manager came out and he sat in my car. He was actually my VP at the time. Sat in my car and he looks at me and he goes, way to go, man. You know? you work hard, you, you continually try, you continually develop, and this is the benefit. And yeah. that's what I want for everyone I work with. Awesome. Awesome. I love that journey. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared from the very beginning, because like you said, a lot of people fall into this industry. I mean, you kind of mm -hmm. literally did that, but you know, especially for those of us who have been in the industry for over 20 years, that's really how we got our start. Yeah. Um, it, it's looking a little bit different now because, yeah. you know, we've got supply chain management courses and, and all sorts of great things to, to take a look at this industry. But it's really about getting into the industry and just trying different things. And you, you went straight into sales and you loved it, which is great. Um, you didn't mention this, but you have founded high performance logistics sales and you did that about eight years ago and it's still going strong. Why don't you tell us a bit about high performance logistics sales and what you do and how it works? Sure, definitely. Yeah. Um, when I founded it, I, I realized there's a major gap in transportation and logistics, um, like major, um, it, it's pretty much grand Canyon type gap in the training of salespeople. And mm -hmm. I alluded it to a little bit in my, my intro there where, you know, like when I first started my sales training was literally, I remember, uh, one of the, you know, elders in the pit is what we used to call it, which was like the boiler room, um, dropped a book on my desk. And he said, this is the Tennessee manufacturing. If you can't sell here, get out of the business. And that was really the strategy was going into, and you probably remember when you first started too, you know, you go into these manuals and you, you try and find chippers and you call them and da, 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 and that was it. And when I, when I founded HPLS, um, it was out of necessity, really. Um, I, I was, I had an ebb and flow business that was just insane. Um, I found myself, you know, dominating, doing really well. And then I'd coast and I'd stop selling and I'd lose a couple of clients. And they're like, oh my God, how am I going to make the bills? And how am I going to do? So you go back into sales and you do this huge push. And then I found I would, wouldn't get any sales for the longest time. And then I'd get one and I'd get more ease or more comfortable. Then all of a sudden they'd start piling in. And I always thought, well, this is the buildup, right? Like you got to fill the funnel. And then when I really started analyzing, I realized it wasn't a funnel building. It was commission breath that was holding me back. 
So how do we create high performance, which to me, the definition of high performance is long-term growth, consistent growth. So it's a continuous upward motion. Um, we do that by applying certain strategies and concepts that I started to just, you know, Sarah, I just tested. Um, right. And I wish there was some, uh, you know, the skies opened up and this light shined on me and I had, I just would wake up at two, three o'clock in the morning going, oh my God, that's a great idea. And I'd write it down and then I'd apply it. <laughs> I <did> the same. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd apply it. And then I would say, okay, okay, that didn't work, but the first two pieces of this worked. Okay. So let's keep that. And for the period of probably about, like it probably all started about 12 years ago, um, just after I came to Ontario and I really started to apply these methods. So then what happened is um, I said, okay, I got, I got a series of methods. So I said, I'm going to test them. So I, we, in 2005, I opened up a logistics company um, with the partners from the asset-based company I was at. And by 2007, we were $22 million, um, wow. which we, we just killed it. We had a Montreal office that was doing about 10 million as well. I mean, we were flying high. And then 2008 hit, uh, the economy mm. dropped out. And yep. it was my first real clear moment. Um, I didn't see it then, I see it now, of ego. And it was, it was, that was really the defining moment in my career where HPLS really started to like, go vertical. Um, in six months, we went from 22 million to $300,000 company. Um, wow. I lost every single customer. My ego told me that, you know, you'd put in your time and everybody owes you now. And, oh, man, you know, and what, every time I think about it, it just, it drives me nuts that I allowed myself to act like that. Um, so long story short, we decided to close the company. Um, in the closure of the company, uh, we had probably close to $700,000 out in receivables. And uh, customers were just like, nah, forget it, I'm not paying you. Chase me, you know, sue me. Um, so we walked away from a $22 million company, three owners at $10,000 a piece. That's all we wow. got out of it. So, um, wow. it was quite crushing, but then I looked at it and, and, you know, a lot of the times when you're, you're in the very low point of your life, if you will, um, a lot of things come to light that were there before, but you just ignored them. And again, it might be ego. It might be, you know, nah, nah, it'll never happen to me. Kind of that, that disbelief. Um, and I realized that, you know, the goal of sales is client goal attainment. It's not the sale. It's how can I help my clients reach their goals, which will then turn into long-term, lifelong clients. Um, right. And that's really where things started to shift. So that's really where I started documenting everything I do. I mean, everything, everything I said, the rebuttals from the customers or you know, the kick, the hold back from the customer. And then I'd write that down and I'd write what I said. And then I'd, I'd enhance it and I'd study it at night. And I, I'd keep going back and going back and going back with this dedication of, I never want to be in this position again. Yeah. And that's really was the birthplace of HPLS. Now I came to the market about eight years ago um, when I officially released it because I had to test my methods. I had to test my theories, right? So I actually yeah. tested my theories three different times. Um, the first time in 14 months, I went to 1.2 million in, in gross profit. The next one in 16 months, I went to 1.5. And then the last one, I went to 1.64 in 18 months. 
So awesome. I've tested it three times, kind of started from the beginning, you know, uh, either left the company or said to the, the owner, just give away all my business. I'm going to start over again, um, which, you know, people probably still to this day think I was crazy. But when you're testing something, when there's a long term benefit, um, you want to make sure that your structure is sound, right? You want to make sure the yeah. strategies will stand the test of time. And my mission, my goal is 10,000 sales reps doing a million GP in under 12 months. So in order to achieve a goal of that magnitude, um, I got to make sure my strategies, my techniques, my structures, my framework is like ironclad bulletproof. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, so I remember when I first started in sales, you know, it was go on sales calls and watch what they do. And mm -hmm. <laughs> then you'll learn everything that you need to know out of sales. And they yeah. didn't teach you anything. You just literally sat there, spoke a little bit and tried to learn as much as you can, which really wasn't that much. And you talk about 2008. 2008 was actually my first year in sales and my best year ever in sales was That's 2008. Awesome. I know. I know. It was crazy. But I, I also read the market and I understood what was going on. And I knew what needed to change and what needed to happen. And so I was able to sell quite a bit. Um, when that happened, when everybody else was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? So you talked about, you know, why you set up the business. What are the issues that you're, that you were seeing in the logistics industry that made you think, yes, they need my help? Oh, well, I mean, it, it's rampant in that, and I still see it today. Um, as, as challenging as it is, um, I've been a part of so many uh, meetings or interviews, I guess, and it's the the promise of this glorified life. Um, it's right. the promise of un, untold riches. Um, you know, we got guys here that are doing a million three a year in GP, and they're bringing home three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and you can do it too. Do I believe that? Yes, but ninety nine point nine percent of the companies out there. They say this to their people, but they don't back it up with anything. Um, they back it up with the same thing you're talking about, go on a sales calls with this person. And again, it, it, you know, it goes right back to what I was saying at the beginning is that these other salespeople, the ones that you went on meetings with, they, they'll give you little tidbits. But it's almost as if, you know, if I'm going to give you everything I know, um, I'm no longer going to be top dog. So I don't really want to give you everything I know because you're going to knock me off my podium. And when I started really thinking about that, I said, this is crazy. We're in a multi-trillion dollar industry, like, you know, three digit trillion industry. There's a 1% a piece of the pie worth a million dollars profit for so many of us. Mm -hmm. well, for some reason, like sales, at least when I, when I started to come up in sales, it was all, you know, you hold everything close to your chest. Somebody comes to sit with you, don't tell them about your customers because, oh, my God, what if they leave? Well, if they leave and they take your customer with you, was that customer really, like, obviously didn't do much for that customer. So right. just that paranoia and everything like that, to me, um, it, it's the big issue in the industry. And, if you know, we've got groups of people right now where we're collaborating from multiple different companies on my, my weekly coaching, my group coaching, and my programs and everything. And they're putting comments in the memberships area about, you know, I'm having this problem with my customers. So they're, they're being um, 
like vulnerable, which I think is a lost form in sales. You know, I have Mm -hmm. three coaches, Sarah, and I'm the first one to admit everyone needs a coach. I've got three and I have one for business. I have one for sales and I, I, I find somebody that's done more sales than I have and I pick their brain on things and I test and I try and I continue to develop. I read books every week. I'm reading a new book and a mindset and strategy and philosophy and and psychology. I mean, there's so many tentacles that come out of this world of sales that, you know, you could read a book. If you glean three awesome ideas, what is that worth to you at the end of the year? If you actually actually take action. Yeah, if you take action and you implement it. But I think also, you know, for a lot of sales in logistics or supply chain, you know, there hasn't really been a place for everybody to go to, to really talk about, you know, what we go through in the industry as salespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a lot of salespeople reach out to me this year and just ask, you know, what would you do if you were in my position? What should I be thinking about with my customers this year? You know, and one of the things that I went back to them with was you just got to check in. You got to check in. You got to see how they're doing you know, just have conversations with them as human beings. I think sometimes when we think about when we're in that sales mode and we really need to hit our quotas, that's all we're thinking about. We're not talking about the human humanity um, side of, of what we're doing and, and who we're talking to and why we're really, really in this. And I think, you know, to have a safe space to be able to go to and talk about what's happening on a day-to-day basis and what challenges they're coming up against or what objections they're coming up against. It's nice to have that community support. So let's talk yes. a little bit more about that. What does that look like between you and the folks that you're helping? You know, I'm guessing a lot is online right now. So are you mentoring one-to-one? Do you do groups? And do you become a long-term partner to continue to help people, salespeople, businesses tweak their sales strategies? So yes. Um, you, you know, I've been doing online for probably two and a half years now. Um, it's always, it, and I found it just easier. Um, people are, you know, everybody's, well, especially in 2020, everybody got real used to video chat. <laughs> you know, before that, I found uh, video chat was the way to go. I've been using Skype since 2009, um, you know, to communicate with people, interview people, and so on and so forth. So, um, I do one-on-one. I have a special 12-week coaching program. I do corporate where companies actually pay me to, to talk to their salespeople weekly and kind of work through a strategic plan. Um, big, big push, obviously, around projection time to really help um, salespeople, you know, not only just create projections, but really figure out, okay, how are you going to hit these projections? Because it's all great that we have projections, but if there's no concrete plan in place to actually hit them, majority of the time we're falling flat and come, you know, February, March, uh, you know, we say we're going to do X in a month and we do half of it. And then we're three times behind the eight ball come March. And it's like, okay, I just throw up my hands and I'll go find somewhere else to go. Um, so, you know, that's one thing, uh, I do group coaching. I have a bunch of different programs in the market for multi-level, uh, salespeople, you know, ones that have been in the industry and are kind of doing 40, 50 grand a month. Let's get you up to the, the two comma club. You know, ones that are brand new, we have foundational courses. So I'm every spectrum. Um, and I said to myself, this is the thing is, you know, when I first looked at and, and thought of 
high performance logistics sales. Um, I had somebody that I looked up to say to me, no, Dan, you know what? It's impossible. Um, only certain people can do a million dollars a year gross profit. And I said, okay, why? And they said, well, they need the proper training. They need the proper education. They need the proper dedication. Um, and they need, the, you know, like, you know, they got to be willing to put in the work. And to me, I looked at it and I said, okay, well, that's anyone that really gets an industry that wants a career that could help give their family the life most dream, most people dream about. And, and yeah. I'll explain to you why real quick. So I'm a grade nine dropout. When I went out into the workforce, um, everyone I knew, because at that point in time in the world, it was still about education. Education, the only way to get somewhere is education. The only way you could do it is through education. Then you go to a company and you work for 35 years, you get a nice watch and a retirement plan. So this was the, the mindset. Um, but I went out and did it. And I did it because I decided that I wanted to have this industry as a career, Sarah. That's the difference. Yeah. See, the difference between the people that are going to make it and the people that aren't is for the people that are not going to make it to that level, right? Listen, we all know you can have a great living in transportation, right? You can make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 a year. A lot of people are totally content with that. And that's it. They invest well. They, you know, buy a couple of properties. They do that, and then they they're they're happy. But if you really want to become in that top two percent, it's a career. It's not a job. And in I'm your right. career, I believe my firm belief is, when you become a pro, you owe it to your customers to be, for lack of a better term, to always be the smartest person in the room in your industry. You know, like for us in, in transportation, I don't know if you heard it. So many people say, you know, know your customer's product better than they know it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I like that, but I'm not the expert at my customer's product. I'm the expert at figuring out how logistics fits into to helping them achieve their goals, right. which I think is critical for us as sales reps is how do I bring my skill level to the peak to make sure my customer's protected, to make sure I reduce friction in my customer's life, to make, you know, like all of these things, to make sure I help my customer achieve their goals because they have corporate and departmental goals. How, yeah. how do I, what do I need to know? What do I need to do? How do I need to be ahead of the curve in order to help my customers achieve that? That's yeah. the big thing. Yeah, I liked a couple of things that you said there. I mean, most of what you said there, but, you know, the mindset piece of it being a career over a job, and that really makes mm -hmm. a difference as to the effort and the time that you're going to be putting into it. But the other mm -hmm. thing that stuck with me is that they said that, that it wasn't possible. That person said that it wasn't possible. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons they gave you was because of training. But yes. I found, especially in my career, that they weren't giving any training Mm -hmm. you know, or very little training to the mm -hmm. salespeople. Why Not enough to get you to that level. That's for sure. Yeah. Why mm -hmm. do you think that that's something that most freight providers um, have not embraced is, is the sales training part of what their expectations are of their salespeople? You, you, this is a question I've asked because, I mean, I call on companies every day. How, how do you do training? What are you guys doing? Do you want, you know, can you see this mission of 10,000 sales reps at a million GP as part of your company? Um, 
and the and as, as crazy as it sounds, and I know some people would be like, yeah, no, 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 but it's it's so true. Is what if I train them and they leave and go somewhere else? And mm. to me, I mean, you you've heard it before, you know. They've often said, what if you train them and they go somewhere else? Yeah. What if you don't train them and they stay? <laughs> like, right. and, and here's exactly. the thing, right? In logistics and transportation, it's, you know, we look at the ROI of the real estate, right? And, and in sitting with so many owners, so many VPs, so many CEOs, so many executives, it's okay. This square footage that this salesperson's taking up, whether it be an office, a cubicle, it doesn't matter, is worth you know, $3,000, they're producing five. So the ROI is there. But what if that same person through a little bit of training, a little bit of um, motivation, which creates inspiration, they go to $30,000. Right. Right. And that's all it is. But the concern is, well, if they go to 30,000 and somebody head hunts them and then, and, and again, it goes back to that, insanity of paranoia mm -hmm. i mean uh, even today i work with asset-based and brokerage companies and I, I when i'm working with them i say okay i need numbers well what do you mean you need a number well i just need a report like if you want me to raise the bar i need to understand where they are and i've mm -hmm. signed ndas and everything and i can still feel the tension when those customer names come up right like, and to the point where some, I said, listen, I just need to tell you something right now. If I wanted to be in brokerage sales, logistics sales, not sales training, I wouldn't be speaking to you. Right. <laughs> if we are going to help your team get to a level they've never been to before, we need to work together. You got to give up the I mean, goods. Well, I mean, data is the new oil, right? We talked about that at our exactly. summit. Data yeah. is the new oil. You give me data. You know, I, I had a I had a, a corporate client where I was in talking with the salesperson, like, oh man, you know, like last week was best week ever. This is the best month ever. And then that week, I have a conversation with the owner, and he's like, that office is bombing. I said, what? I go, I'm being told they're having the best week ever. He goes, no. Two of them are having their best months ever, which is creating the best month for the company, but three of them are just bombing. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, had I had that data, when that person that was bombing that told me he was doing absolutely awesome because, you know, hey, it's a salesperson, you can't, <laughs> you can't be vulnerable, I'd be crazy. Um, you know, it was just like, kind of like, okay, so that's that, you know, a couple of years ago when that happened, that was the real sign that data is king. Like data yeah. is the new oil, right? Yeah, yeah. So with all of that in mind that you just spoke about, can mm -hmm. you give us a real life example of how you've helped a client and what, like what was the challenge that they came to you with? What was the solution that you created and what were the benefits that they've seen since Yeah, then? definitely. Um, you know, one that the most recent one that comes to mind was at the beginning of 2020, um, started working with this individual. He was doing about 10 grand a month in GP and he was um, a generalist. So what I do is I really sit down with the salespeople and we figure out what they're going to dominate. And for lack of a better word, I know dominate is for some people, it's not really the word they want to use, but what area are we going to dominate? Or is it going to be geographical? Is it going to be a certain commodity? Is it going to be a certain industry? Is it going to be, you know, a certain movement type, you know, rail, ocean, da, da. Once we figure that out, 
Um, we dive deep into strategy. We dive into really identifying our why. We dive into being crystal clear. We dive into sales sequencing. In 2020, um, this gentleman went from 10 grand in one of the, you know, very challenging years that we've had um, to doing over 65,000 a month in GP. Strictly nice. because, for lack of a better word, he's sticking to his lane. And right. my belief is you stick to your lane until you're about 60 to $80,000 a month GP. And then you decide on a second lane. And then you decide on a third lane. And that's the growth structure because you become the expert in your industry, in your geographical region, in your equipment type, in your commodity. And right. that is where we switch from being a salesperson to being a high performance salesperson. High performance is all about habits, right? Yeah. If like, like I, I put it off, I often put it like this, Sarah, the first stage of high performance of really becoming a pro is predicting. But if we don't really have three key areas, clarity about what we want an intention about getting it and mastering the critical skills, to get us there, we're always gonna be a generalist because yeah. we're gonna be jumping back and forth. But if I can ask the same sequencing questions, if I can really identify my target market, if I could really identify my ideal client and I can filter all of that right at the top of the funnel, if you will, everything below turns from a 60, 50, 60% close rate to an 80, 90% close rate. Hmm. And that's where real high performance comes in because your foot is always on the gas, but you're not slamming it down to the floor going, you know, until you can barely hold the steering wheel, then lifting it off. You're, you're in acceleration mode constantly. You're all constantly in the apex of the turn where you have to accelerate. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. And you, you segue so well, Dan, it's like, you've done this before. <laughs> my next question is about your ideal customer. So who is your ideal client? I know that you service businesses. I know that you service individuals. So if I'm sitting in the audience and I'm thinking, wow, this would really be great or really help my career, or I'm a business owner, you know, I wonder what he could do for our sales team. Tell us a little bit about that ideal customer. What, what mindset do they have to have? When should they be calling you? Oh, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate this question a lot. So um, I've actually got two. And the reason I have two is because I have what I call the P2P, which is person to person, and then the B2P, which is person to business or business to person. Um, and so when I talk, when I call on a business, when I call on a vice president of sales or you know, a sales manager, the ideal client profile is that sales manager is not riddled with ego. They have a belief that they want more for their company, for their team. They believe their team can do more. And they're not paranoid to train their team. See, to me, that is paramount. Um, I start those conversations with, hey, uh, you know, I apologize for being so blunt, but I really, I don't want to waste your time. And, and I've got other calls to make if you're not ideally who I want to work with. Um, are you the type of vice president that's willing to go to bat to get training for your people to double their sales in 12 months? And if the answer is no, or if there's hesitation, I dive a little bit deeper the odd question, depending on how they are, um, we go on our separate ways. For the individual, um, the sales rep that comes to me directly, they have to be dedicated and they have to want this as a career. 
if they are dedicated and want this as a career, I can take care of everything else. It all starts with that dedication because right. in sales training, and, and you know it as well as I do, um, you know, we both had coaches. They say things and you're like, whoa, and your stomach flutters. And you're like, I got to do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what you got to do. That's where you got to ask. Like, like I've got one, uh, one, one of the many, but one strategy is, is if I do this, will you do that? And I've found that so many salespeople are afraid to ask customers or prospects at this point. Sorry. You know, if I get you this, can you turn it around in 24 hours and get it back to me? Right. Um, they're, they're just so excited to talk to them on the phone. They never set up the next step in the conversation. So something like I'm on the phone with you, we agree that we're going to put together a proposal for you. And I say something like, okay, Sarah, if I get you the proposal by tomorrow, so this is a Monday today. So if I get you proposal by two o'clock tomorrow, would you have time to review it by Wednesday at three o'clock? Yeah. And you would say yay or nay. And if you said yes, I'd say, perfect. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send you an invite for Wednesday at three o'clock, as discussed, I'll have it to you today before noon. And then I'll actually take that proposal. I'll put it in the email invite before noon for Wednesday at three o'clock. Mm -hmm. And Amazing. that way, as soon as, you know, one of the strategies that probably brought me the most benefit in my career was the second I had an introduction call where I was able to qualify the prospect, never again did I have a call that was unscheduled. Meaning every time I went to end the conversation, we were both crystal clear as to when I was calling back and what the purpose of the call was. Yeah, right? which is That huge. power of intention is everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. And you know, you know exactly where each other stands at that point. And it's not wishy-washy. And so if you're calling five or six times afterwards, you know, you start to feel like a bit of a pest or, you know, wondering whether they want to talk to you again or why the radio yeah. silence and all that. It kind of eliminates all of that from the conversation. So I've really yes. enjoyed this conversation and I hate to wind it down because I know there's so, so much more, but I think that they need to get in touch with you directly to hear more about how you can definitely help them. So Love before that. we actually end this interview, what does the future hold for high performance logistics sales and for you, Dan? 10,000 sales reps doing a million dollars GP in under 12 calendar months. Awesome. That's, that's the future. That's the vision. That's the mission. Um, every mountain will move out of my way. Every obstacle will be destroyed and we will get there. That's the mission. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> there'll be that. zero rest until it happens. <laughs> I love that. And you, you put on a great summit, um, a couple of weeks ago and you really, you really bring everybody together. I mean, sales can be a scary area of business, but you have such passion. You really made sales dynamic and exciting. And I think a lot of people are going to be filled with ideas to take back to their own businesses. And I'm sure many of them will be giving you a call as well. You can find out more about Dan and high performance logistics sales on his website, Dan Deegan, D-E-I-G-A-N.com. And you can connect with him on LinkedIn as well. Thank you again to Dan for coming on the show and infecting us with all your enthusiasm. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more podcasts for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash podcast to check out the latest. And don't forget to come back next week as I am talking with Rob from, from Mercado all about our collaboration with ships and what collaboration means to the future of business, how their transform campaign is going to be amazing as well. So you're not going to want to miss that. Stay tuned for that one. If you enjoy our podcast, there are a few ways to support the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com or on YouTube at Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next, visit ships, that's S-H-I-P-Z or Z.com, and sign up. We are in full beta, and if you are a forwarder or shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide, and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash shop. And lastly, if you would like to be featured on an upcoming episode, you know what to do. Go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.